Hello, and welcome back to the Attribution Marketing Podcast powered by LeadsRx. On today's episode, we have Sergey and Andrew from EPOM, which is a leader in the ad tech industry. They are going to break down for us what they have learned over 10 years of experience uh, plus in the ad tech industry, uh, dealing with things from DSPs, and inking big deals with IAB and Google. So, Sergey and Andrew, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thanks, Lucas. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you, Lucas. Yeah. Normally, we we do uh, one guest at a time, but happy to have you guys both on at once. But we obviously uh, want to learn a little bit more about you and EPOM. So, if you have a moment, just briefly tell us about your background, your career arc, and what led you to where you're at today. Sure. So I'm going to start. Uh, my name is Sergey. I'm a sales executive at EPOM. I'm overseeing our ad serving activity. Uh, I've been with the company for over 10 years now. Started off small, working with smaller customers, but as grew, um, I grew as well. Uh, and taking care of large customers of key accounts is what I do. Having to witness everything that has happened to the industry over the course of the last 10 plus years was definitely amazing. So yeah, I'm going to be super happy to tell you everything that I know. Yes. So, and my name is Andrew and I also joined EPOM 12 years ago. And, uh, so when I joined the industry, it was the time of the JavaScript vacation codes and the affiliate links, arbitrage and exchanges. So I witnessed the rise of the uh, open RTB. And I remember the times when the index exchange was, was the Casale media. <laughs> so I, I really, um, you know, I kind of collected all this expertise about the, how the industry evolved and, um, really, I will be happy to share, uh, some of the, uh, of my expertise. Great. Well, thanks for that. If you would, and I don't know uh, which one's more appropriate, but give us a quick elevator pitch on EPOM and what uh, that company is all about, what sets you guys apart. Sure. Uh, let me start. We are the ad server. We are not an ad server. We are the ad server. The best one in the world, obviously. And uh, we serve all the types of ads. And the best thing we do is solve intricate use cases. Our largest clients came to us to solve a very odd request that they couldn't solve anywhere. And that's where we stepped in. And that's what we do. We solve impossible things. Yeah, so the ad server is the one part that's the first product of EPOM. Uh, but we also have, we also operate the, the white label DSP product. So the ad server is for the networks and the publisher's side as a SSP solution. And the DSP is the, the different thing is for agencies and advertisers. So we kind of uh, operate both platforms so that can create their one ecosystem for this online advertising. Awesome. Well, thanks for that context. I think it gives us good backdrop here for kind of pivoting into some of these other futuristic or maybe not so futuristic because they're here today types of technologies that I know you guys are experts in. So why don't we kick it off with um, looking at my show notes here, but just with voice search, I think in the past days, weeks, months, uh, AI has, has really exploded. I think how people are using that little search box on Google, 
uh, or their Alexa in their home, et cetera, uh, has rapidly changed already. And it's not quite clear what the future holds. So we're hoping to get your perspective on where that stuff is going and how marketers can utilize it uh, to improve their campaigns. Sure. So uh, the overall approach would be like to the future of ads would be a more personalized approach. So, and voice search ads are definitely there because they could very well become more interactive and personalized. So when you're asking your, whatever you, whatever it is you have at home uh, to play music, uh, the following response that goes after playing a song would be a recommendation for a new music streaming service, for example, because it's like super targeted and nobody else has that information, but the actual device itself. Um, and also, uh, you can look for a specific product uh, to purchase it, for example, and then the ad could either provide a more detailed information about the product or a competitive product. Uh, so as a result, it's much easier for consumers to find what they're looking for, and this could lead to more positive user experience. Um, plus, we may see new ad formats specifically designed as voice search evolves. For example, a voice-activated ad engages uh, with the user in a conversation rather than just providing one-way message. With the rise of ChatGPT, with the rise of various chatbots, it's, I don't think that's that far off. Yeah, I was going to mention, and then Andrew jumped in there. I was just reading an article uh, today, actually, and Google had their big uh, event yesterday, uh, if I recall, and all of a sudden, you know, there's beta requests for uh, new AI ad development tools directly from Google, as well as uh, various AI search um, changes that are coming out. So the, the the ground is rapidly changing beneath us, and we're looking to guys like you to help us guide us through uh, those challenging times and sort of be the leaders in marketing and advertising on the other side. So Andrew, go ahead, tell us your thoughts on uh, these aspects of AI and search and advertising in general. Well, I guess that the voice ads are kind of uh, the search ads, right? So when you are asking the Google Assistant uh, for anything, you are looking for something, you are you want to get some information, right? And that's the very best uh, time spot, the, the best point of time where you can uh, advertise anything to the user, in this case, when he's looking for something. So that's... The same thing that Google once brought to the, with their search ads, right? So the same will happen uh, with the voice, uh, how, how say it, inquiries, right? This um, ad spots uh, will appear when user ask, is asking uh, is, is this his Google Assistant for something. And after answering this, his question, user's question, the ad will follow up. My guess that this type of advertising will perform. Now, uh, before I move on, I think wasn't voice search and, you know, Alexa and Amazon and uh, Meta has their device as well. I feel like this was cutting edge a few years ago and people thought that, you know, the device in your home, you could say, hey, order my shopping list or, you know, reorder the mulch for the yard out front, anything like that, but it never really materialized, at least from my perspective. So I'm curious to know if you guys think there's a you know, new resurgence in this technology and is it going to stick around this time specific to voice search 
um, and connected devices that are in the home already. It's, uh, it's kind of hard to anticipate something nowadays, given the vast amount of things that are currently evolving, right? We're not only talking about voice search, are we? We're talking about metaverse, talking about virtual reality. We're talking about Apple about to present their augmented reality glasses. We're talking about all these new things that are taking the world by storm. And um, I mean, it has always been a race, but it seems that the speed has been kicked up a notch for the last time, for, for the most recent time. So it's, um, I don't think anybody in the world can right now say what is and what will be the major point of application for ads in the future. And it's best to keep in mind, like from my perspective, it's best to keep in mind everything that's going on, all the trends, everything that's happening, but also approach them with a cool head and not you know, make a bet that some of these things would be the most popular ones. So it's it's best to be uh, knowledgeable about all of them, and you know, try yourself out everywhere, every now and then, in different uh, verticals and different new verticals, including voice search, including virtual reality and whatnot. But also, the best thing that you can do is have your feet on the ground and actually know what you're doing instead of just diving towards the next big trend that's coming up. Agree. But the one thing to add here is that uh, I assume that people will ask more, Lucas, so they, they will ask more their, uh, their gadgets, their devices, so they people will search less and ask more. So, so that part of the search queries will migrate to this, uh, well, let's say, chat GPT supported technologies where uh, users will, people will even not need to Google anything, search for any information, but you can ask and you will get the answer, right? So uh, my guess is that people will ask for this type of help more and more because as long as my kid, right after like it, two or three months or five months after that, chat GPT became, became a real thing, right? So now my kid is telling me that they do their tests uh, in school with help of this chat GPT. Well, you don't even have to Google for it. You can just ask. So that's, uh, that's something that I worth mentioning here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that's the inescapable wave that we're all going to be facing. And I don't think anyone's quite sure how it's all going to play out. Uh, but hopefully there's more good than bad with all these changes. So let's transition here to another kind of buzzworthy topic, um, that I think again, in the past, um, had a lot of action and interest and hype, let's just say, but it, it didn't really materialize. And I'm curious to know if you think it's going to materialize now with um, generative AI and the changes that are coming. And that's really the internet of things. I can recall personally being very interested in this technology. And I think certain industries have deployed this, um, and, and you see it in a lot of places, but it, it never really caught on in the same way that I think everybody had hoped. So talk to us about the internet of things, how that overlaps with advertisers, programmatic advertising and how maybe your clients or future advertisers are going to leverage that data or that infrastructure 
to improve their campaigns. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, when talking about such things as the uh, Internet of Things and stuff like this, all these buzzwords, so there are like two different realities for us, for me, because the one thing is what I'm reading about and exchange wire, all this tech crunch post, you know, all those uh, LinkedIn posts and so everything, what, what industry is talking about and the real business, the um, kind of the operations that are accomplished by our customers. So real agencies, real ad networks, real publishers and some advertisers. Right? So these are pretty different. Uh, in my opinion, from what I see, so this advertising niche evolves more slowly than we could expect, than I could expect. So in my perspective, really, it didn't become a big thing, at least uh, from our perspective, right? So many things like uh, hyper-targeting, like uh, quantifying the media quality, uh, the omni-channel targetings and stuff like this, the geofencing, of course, and all sorts of retargetings. So these uh, technologies, they are the real thing, right? And this, uh, this internet of things, it's kind of, it's a different beast, at least in my opinion, right? So that's, that's how I can, that's how I see it, just from the perspective of our current customers, EPOM's customers. Yeah, I would. I also want to chime in on this. Um, the industry is growing, and I would agree that it's not growing at, at a tempo that everybody would, would like to. Uh, it's expected to grow over three times um, over the next what, seven to eight years uh, due to 5G and other technologies. But, and it brings a lot of questions, and it brings a lot of opportunities at the same time, right? Because if you're... If we're talking about a connected car, then it can show you an ad uh, when you're driving by a local business. If you're talking about, say, fridge, smart fridge, which is connected to the IoT, it can show you a recipe, show you where to order those specific things that you like to cook based on your experience. So the theory, it's, it's definitely there. And based on Grandview research, the compound annual growth rate is about 25, 21% coming from 2021 to 2028, which means that there's a lot of money there and a lot of things that no one actually cracked how to do. So the, pers the, the potential is definitely there. It's a matter of whether or not it would be as adopted as all the other mediums that have become the norm as just like voice search, right? If we're talking about that becoming the norm, the next norm, and search queries, then what's going to happen to IoT? Um, currently, it's either we go you know, straight to the future where everybody has, like every single thing that you have in your house is a gadget and is kind of intertwined uh, with each other. And you have a lot of ad spaces that actually bring you ads for the things that you like, or it's not as fast and something else catches the eye of the public and and Still, IoT goes on, but not as quickly as it is hoped to. The one thing that I want to add here is that there is a big difference between the uh, voice searches, right, and voice uh, like advertising 
and this internet of things. So your fridge can be connected to the internet, right? So, and it can, uh, you know, like handle your, uh, some food ordering or something like this, but, uh, uh it is the matter of the ad sport, right? So the, the, where you, you gonna get this inventory. So when you have this, when you're asking your Google assistant for something, um, it will answer and it will follow up with the ad. You, you will listen to this, right? Inevitably. So it is like very, uh, this ad inventory will appear very organically. I can't imagine how my fridge will, I don't know, like push the ad in any form. So that's, it's the question, uh, to me. So that's something that I, it's hard to answer. So here is why, you know, not all of these trends and, uh, um, type things, they, they, not all of them can transform into the advertising in my opinion. Okay. But fair point. I think you guys made uh, a, a solid explanation there. And I think the future is still unknown. Um, but as long as you have sort of quality technology, quality partners that are looking into this for you, you should be able to navigate these these waters and, and unlock those features. I, I believe that it's, um, if, if you're stuck, you know, running the older Google format, the older advertising format, or... Um, not adopting what's available to you, you're going to miss out on more competitive auctions, cheaper clicks, cheaper engagement. Um, as some of those new tools, just they don't have the competitive uh, marketplace that drives up those prices. Is, would you guys agree with that? 100%. And uh, I want to say that advertising um, it, it is it changes dramatically. I mean, like, uh, some things, uh, like, uh, again, like the measuring ad measuring the, the performance measuring and the media quality measuring and such things like a user attention measuring, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing like five years ago, right? So, but it's now becoming a thing and you have to, uh, treat it carefully. So you have to pay attention to it because overall, of course budgets will flow to the better performance. So that that's 100% true. So just talk to us a bit about, uh, measurement and performance, uh, maybe a curveball for you on this episode, but if you imagine, like you mentioned five years ago, mm -hmm. everyone could track with cookies and Google analytics, um, you know, web lift conversions, devices you know, learn about gender, location, time of day, all this specifics, uh, of what boils down to be deterministic attribution. This is Sergey. He came to my site. He came from this channel. He did this thing. He converted. Now, if you look at what Google, Apple, uh, the rest of the kind of major ad tech players are doing, they're making that harder and harder. And the whole universe is shifting from probabilistic or excuse me, from deterministic attribution to probabilistic, where everything is sort of a blended average of a thousand Sergeys came to your site from five different channels, and the blended average performance of those channels is X, Y, or Z, and we are going to essentially give a, a weighted level of 
results or attribution or conversions to these channels. And I was wondering your guys' opinion on one, that shift in terms of uh, probabilistic versus deterministic, and then two, how sort of sophisticated advertisers um, can navigate around that, be compliant at the same time, but you know, keep some of the targeting and the technology that we've all gotten used to over the past few years and still have that persist in their campaigns going forward. Can you guys speak to that a little bit? Yes, of course. So yeah, allow me to answer this. Uh, so first of all, Lucas, the one thing to, to mention is that, you know, market nowadays, from what I see, from I, I speak to, I talk to uh, marketers, to agency owners, to uh, DSP owners, like every day, right? So everyone's, you know, like headache these days is the cookie-less world. It's not the uh, chat GPT or something, right? So they do not think about uh, such, you know, like exotic matters as, uh, because it's funny, it's very buzzy words, it's a uh, hype thing, but, uh, the real thing, the real problem is the, uh, cookie duplication, of course, right? Uh, and the short answer here, uh, in my opinion, that the industry will adapt, but the user identification will migrate from the DSP side to the SSP side. So what I, uh, I guess that's uh, what will happen. All the publishers that used to rely on the programmatic revenues recently, right? So they will witness the, the, the revenue decrease actually, right? So they will make less, but at this, at say at some point of time, they will switch to the SSP technologies that will um, handle the, some open ID or universal user ID that will actually overcome this, let's say, privacy limitations and the cookie-less world. So that's my answer to, to this question. So in my opinion, Lucas, the um, industry will, have, they will slow down a bit, but it will manage this... Uh, let's say, <laughs> privacy issues and cookie-less issues uh, with the grading the, uh, the technology part from the DSP to SSPs. That's, that's my opinion. Well, see, I wanted to add that a lot of different things that were reserved for the clients with larger, um, with larger resources, such as analyzing bitstream data, such as working with raw logs of data. And uh, so using a geofencing targeting option uh, that we have in our white label DSP, um, they become more and more important to the users as the ability to attribute grows a little slow, right? They would need that performance and they have to get it somewhere. If they don't have a clear way of understanding what brought what performance, then it's just a matter of having as many tools as you possibly can and then operate with the most amount of those tools to make sure that your performance stays up. And given, again, the nature of, uh, of how, again, the very same generative AI is being implemented and is being adapted uh, worldwide, uh, it seems that those tools would be more accessible because they have more computing power and just more ways to work with 
less data. So again, I think that uh, the ones that make uh, the smarter decisions would come out on top. The ones that are able to tackle this new reality uh, with a strong background and with exact understanding of what they're looking to achieve are definitely going to be the ones suffering the least from uh, all the attribution policies that are now in effect. Well said. Uh, just quick follow-up because I think this is a, a super engaging thread and a lot of the folks that are on our email list and um, working with LeadsRx really have this question. This is the biggest question that they're facing. And so I wanted to go a little bit deeper here and see if you guys have some expertise in this regard, but it's been our understanding and experience in working with the rollout of Google Analytics 4 that um, specific metrics around the geolocation as well as around the day part or the timestamp cannot and will not be surfaced in the same report. Like you can't query the API and get that answer uh, as far as I've been able to tell. So my question to you guys is, Either how is EPOM uh, handling this, which which might be question number one, or question number two is for broadcast advertisers um, that have some radio, some TV, some programmatic, uh, and they measure, they want to measure uh, web events that are taking place on the night and find out is Thursday at nine fifteen a.m. a better time to run ads than you know Saturday at one in the afternoon. Uh, all things held constant. It doesn't really seem like they're going to be able to measure that information accurately with Google Analytics 4 and then have the attribution data necessary to make any informed choices and pivots in their marketing. So can you guys speak to that a little bit? Maybe what you've seen, maybe we're misinterpreting how Google Analytics 4 is working, or maybe there's another solution out there that you guys are aware of to track that information and, and make it accurate for advertisers. Um, yes. Okay. Allow me uh, to start answering this. So Lucas, like this question can be split on two parts, like where you can get this information. I mean, like information for this targeting uh, to enable all the targetings and the, uh, trackings and so on and so forth. So, uh, because in the cookie world, like it, it is a headache, really, it, it is a pain. Uh, because you cannot get this data from the data companies that are used to rely on cookies. Okay. So that's one part. And the second part is how to track it. In my opinion, uh, the industry has used, so it has the standards, right? And, uh, if you have, <clears throat> if, if you're, let's say, uh, the, the, the budget spender, if they are used to the, uh, some specific flow and specific way of counting the performance and measuring it. So they will spend their money. So they, 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 they will get it in one way or another. If Google analytics will not support it, other technologies will support it because they will be paid for it in my opinion. And talking about the technical aspect of this, let's say, um, of this ad serving, right? So until there is such an entity as the user id and it is a it is a mandatory parameter in the open rtb world right so there there's no 
a single add request and add response without this user ID. Until you have the user ID, you can, um, you can add as many parameters about this user, about its gender, its interest, you know, like this audience, audience slices and so on and so forth. So like many, like a lot of things as you wish. And even if you will want, if you won't be able to get it from this current data providers, you will get it from there in, in a different way, just from the SSP side. So all the sites will know more about their users and will send this information to the advertiser within the bid request. And in this way, the industry will, uh, will just keep going as it goes now. That's, that's my point of view here. And coming from the ad server slash SSP perspective, if you can't get the data in Google Analytics, it's just a matter of time until you start thinking whether or not it's worth it to go after the publishers directly and to use your own proprietary technology, right? If you're spending budgets the way you're used to Google, but you're not just getting the results that you're anticipating because you cannot measure them, you cannot look at it and say that, okay, this works for me and this doesn't. Maybe it's, um, it's time to search for somebody that could give you, you know, one by one, one on one perspective with a publisher where you can just go out, look for targeted audiences, look for targeted communities that you want to buy from, and then employ a direct solution, um, a your own white label ad server, and then connect to them directly and receive all the information within an ad request. That would not go through Google, that would just go. That's that's between you and the publisher itself. So it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out whether or not it's worth it to move to a different solution that doesn't have the limitations that Google have and maintain your own connection and build your own connection with those publishers uh, that could give you that information that they have about their users uh, so that you can use it for targeting and attribution and understanding what's going on. Yeah, well said. And I think that's kind of the inescapable conclusion that we've reached at LeadsRx as well, which is um, the technology, it's still possible, um, but Google and Apple and these guys, uh, they don't, they haven't, uh, they're depreciating it um, and making it more and more difficult to just sort of give you that stuff for free. Uh, and if you think about it from their perspective, and maybe I am misinterpreting this, but if Google knows who's who deterministic, but you don't know, and you only know probabilistic, well, then Google's own data, own network, own ad products can continue to improve and their targeting can be fine without sharing what they know exactly about this person who's logged into Gmail, watches YouTube all the time and does a whole bunch of searches. And so it's to their advantage to continue to make those walled gardens have even higher walls so that only if, if you want to target Google users, you got to go directly to Google because it, without their data, you're not going to know who you're, you're going after. So I think, um, if you guys could, you know, speak to that, is that, is that a fair conclusion to, to assume that, uh, you know, Google's going to keep that information on their side of the fence, meta and Facebook's going to keep it for themselves. 
um, and Apple is going to do their best to like prevent anybody from having it. Is that accurate? Mm. Well, the conclusion is fair. The situation is unfair, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, but Lucas, there is, there is a thing. Uh, those uh, companies that you mentioned, all of them, of course, obtain a lot of data about users, but that's not all. Uh, and uh, what I want to say is that that's that kind of trend, which I noticed like during the last couple of years, that there are some other data holders that also step into this advertising industry. And I'm talking, for example, about mobile carriers, right? So it's a, it's a real thing that we witness globe-wide where mobile carrier, uh, mobile operators, right? So they either establish their white label, so they're buying their white label DSP solution or even buying the local player. And the whole idea is to bring, to merge their data with the advertising to give the advertisers their targeting capabilities. And uh, uh, in real life, it appears that mobile carriers, they know a lot of things about user, really a lot. So for example, like a credit score, uh, I was surprised when I knew that uh, mobile carriers know the, you know, like the balance. So using their patterns of the uh, how, how they explore the behavior of their uh, users. So they, they know much better than banks if they, you can, uh, I don't know, like allow the credit to this user or not. So what I want to say is that, of course, all of these uh, large giants, right? They try to build their walled gardens and to be exclusive provider, but there is still a competition. So, and this data is not, doesn't belong exclusively to Google or Apple. Uh, there are like different sources of the data that can be used, uh, by, by the industry. So that's, that's it. Yeah. And I think there's always a way where, uh, different users and different mediums could find a way around it. It's just essentially a matter of, is it worth it? Right. If everything like if the results would be comparable, then I think a lot of uh, a lot of the industry is just gonna is just gonna agree with that's the current state of things. That's how it's gonna be. Google's gonna go uh, gonna own Google's data. Meta's gonna own Meta's data. Apple's gonna own Apple's data. And if you want to get the best of the three worlds, you go to each and every one of them individually. Uh, but if it becomes too cumbersome, if it becomes too expensive, then definitely there are gonna be ways surging up of how to make the best out of the situation. And this could lead to uh, everything shifting. You know, nobody could have envisioned TikTok just going out of nowhere and becoming a huge platform for ads, right? And it changed a lot of things in the, in the industry. Um, and so we, we, we don't really know whether or not something's gonna come up and whether or not like this, this enwalling of garden uh, would be something that drives people towards creating new products, new platforms, or just taking a totally new, different approach 
to what they're used to, uh, to spending their budgets in order to keep the performance high. Fair enough. I appreciate you guys very much. That was quite the uh, divergence from the uh, agenda, but I think it's it's really relevant information. And I know it's a massive pain point for everybody who would be listening to this. So I appreciate you guys breaking it down. Um, I think the last topic you know, for today, I think is another one that's keeping people up at night. And that would be the inevitable, not inevitable, highly predicted recession that is coming or not coming, but it's probably coming, but might not come. So walk us through your perspective on ad budgets, how people can be more efficient. Where are they going to shift to? I was on your site earlier and I noticed you have a little drift bot that engages you that talks about cutting ad spend and being more efficient. Are those going to be the themes for the next 12 months? Are advertising budgets going to be reined in? Just give us your, uh, maybe a little bit of economic prediction, uh, but more importantly, what that impact would be on the ad uh, universe. Yes. Okay. So three things. Okay. So first is the performance and uh, different ways how you can measure the performance. As I've told you, even attention uh, measurement will be a thing, will become a thing, right? Because uh, advertisers will uh, look for the ways how to decrease the, the waste of their, of their budget spent. So that's number one. Number two is that the human approach and, you know, a kind of human touch. So it's uh, inevitable, also inevitable that when you, uh, you kind of, you, you have to um, care and treat your uh, advertiser in the, uh, as good as you can. And when the hard times come, you have to do it even better. So that's uh, my point of view here is that my point is like performance, measuring things and the uh, account management. Uh, yeah, if it's coming from me, uh, an economic um, recession that's coming but not coming, right, is definitely something that would uh, involve cutting down the budgets, I think, because the ad budgets get cut very, very quickly once uh, something out of the ordinary happens, right? If we remember COVID, if we remember the ongoing war, um, the ad budgets are definitely something uh, that get they get sliced uh, very quickly um, because they are seen as, again, given the current nature of not being able to uh, indicatively measure the performance to 100% degree in some cases, uh, it seems that, you know, companies can, can work without spending uh, ad budgets. But I think what would happen is um, the budgets themselves could shrink, but at the same time, given the rise of generative AI and um, of ChatGPT, of MidJourney, of uh, everything that's allowing you to do more, would allow you to either get more insights from what's already happening, thus increasing your performance, even with smaller budgets. Or it allows you to it allows larger companies to run more experiments where um, those tools would help you 
leverage the information that you already have, the information that's uh, it, it can it can just generate a lot of uh, various uh, say AI generated images in ad campaigns, which makes it faster to launch them, which makes it faster to see if there's any impact on the market, and we actually see some of our clients already doing that. Um, so. Even though I do expect that the budgets are going to go down, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, it's going to be as big a difference as it could have been. Because due to all those tools that I've just that I just mentioned, the performance of those ad campaigns may go up, which would result in higher return on ad spend, which would itself in itself result in uh, not that big a shrink all those media budgets. Yeah. Lucas, one more thing to add here, just to illustrate like what, what's going on, right? Because overall, the, our EPOMS DSP is designed for the performance um, advertising for those uh, getting the installs, conversions, sales, whatever. Like, so that's, that's what, what is it about? And we have a bunch of tools to do it, to accomplish this. But at the same time, all of our customers can be split on two parts. The one of them, which are really uh, fight for those uh, ROI and uh, some conversions that they have to have in, inside of their accounts. And there is a different world of the brand campaigns. And so we have one customer as like a very, very fresh case, one customer who is the customer of uh, Epom Wild Label DSP for almost three years. So he was spending like all that years without any bad time. Okay. So it was always sunny uh, um, in his account. And uh, recently he asked me one thing like, Andrew, how can I set up the action tracking? Because I have to count the leads, the registrations on our side, on our customer side that I drive to him. So he never asked about this thing, like for being our customer for three years, right? And he asked this the day before yesterday. So that's, I recognize as a sign of, you know, like, uh, that something is changing. So that, that's, that's the point. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on guys. I know we ran a little bit over time in terms of uh, our normal episode length, but I always want to follow up. Just let folks know how they can get in touch with either of you two. Maybe it's a LinkedIn profile or a website or a demo. Just tell folks that are listening to this how they can get engaged with EPOM and what those next steps would be. Yeah, I think the best way to do this would be to go to epom.com, take a look at what you need, uh, whether you need a white label DSP solution to buy traffic from us, then Andrew's going to pick you up. Or if you need NAS server slash SSP to manage your ads and your traffic, that's where I'm going to come in. But just sign up and believe me when I say that we will take good care of you in a very quick manner. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. You heard it here first. Thank you so much for Sergey and Andrew for being on the show. This is the Attribution Marketing Podcast, signing off.